Hey guys, my name is Bree, and I will be reading from John 1. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Morning, everybody. Good to be with you all. Thanks for leading us. I appreciate that. I, I just I love when everybody's together. It's the best. So welcome. It's like our family gathered around. I love it. Uh, we are in a series on the names and titles of Jesus, and we're talking about what he was called in the Scripture and what. Uh, he, he, like literally his name, Jesus, and then other titles he was given that give us meaning about who he was and what that means to us. And just like Bree read this morning, we're going to talk about one where he is called the light. He even calls himself the light of the world. In fact, let's just take a look at that verse right now. It's, it's John eight twelve. So we're in the book of John quite a bit today. The theme of light runs through there uh, from beginning to end. But in eight twelve, Jesus makes this radical claim. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, if you just sit back and think about that for a second, think about Jesus saying that, you know, that is what I want. I want the light of life. I mean, regardless of if it's, if it's him, I want the light of life, the good things. Of, I want the light of life. But what this says is the light of life, whatever that is, that good, good thing that that is, is Jesus. He is the light of life. But you know what? I, though I am a believer and have been a believer and a follower of Christ for a long time, I have this sort of uh, tendency to drift away into the shadows and away from the light that is Jesus. That's just what I naturally do. And it's not something that's only mine. Some of you are, are capable of that as well. I won't point any fingers, uh, but we do that, uh, and it is something that's just been a part of human nature from the beginning. But uh, one of the things that is said in John 3, and it's, it's a reference back to John 1 that we just read. It says this in John three nineteen, right in the middle of that verse. It says, the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light. We just, though we, I mean, if you're not a believer in here, you know, I'm just telling you stuff about Jesus, about what he said. If you are a believer, you know he's the light, and you know we have that tendency to, to drift into the kind of the greasy, dirty crevices of, the, of life. It's kind of where we migrate to automatically. When I was a kid, uh, I loved to go to Six Flags. Anybody six? I mean, I don't know if anybody likes Six Flags or not. Does anybody go to Six Flags? Okay, there's a couple of... Uh, you're not like going, yeah, I'm all about... Okay, Steve. Um, you know, we were solidly middle class, so we went once a year to Six Flags. Okay? Um, and I, like, I loved Six Flags. I loved the maps. Like, there was this map. Do you remember, Lisa? Did you ever get the map? I'd go in the store, and it was like air-conditioned in the store. And it's like, oh, it feels so good in here. And then I'd buy the map every year, and i put it on... I literally... I don't know why... I, I was thinking back over this. I put the map on my wall. I would just study that map. 
And so I knew all the shortcuts to get to the rides and all that stuff. One, one year, uh, I remember going in, you know, if there's a short line, it's a license to go as many times as you can possibly go, obviously. Well, there was this ride called the Spindle Top, uh, which was a thing that was like a barrel. It was a big human bar- barrel for humans. And you get in there and it spins around real fast and then the floor goes down. Yeah. So the, sh- the line was really short. So what did I do? You know, not only did I go around in it, but I went around the line as fast as I could. And I, I still remember, I was, I was pretty young, but after the sixth time, I went on that thing. And I was pretty good at it. I think I could turn sideways and, and you know, all that stuff. I, had, I felt so sick and dizzy. And it totally, you know, obviously ruined the rest of the Six Flags outing because I just couldn't even stand up because I was so messed up. The, the spindle top for me is a real, you know, lightweight way to say that we think we just drift towards things that aren't good for us. We just do it. And you just, you know, pick your thing in your life. We just do that. And we're like, this is awesome. And then we, the consequences come. There were some consequences from that particular event. But here's the, here's the thing. This is the main thing I want to get to from this passage that we're going to look at in, in John 8. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you're not going to walk in darkness, but you're going to have the light of life. If that's true, then let, let's just unpack that and think about it. Wherever you are spiritually, just let's think about just this, the simplest way we can interpret those words. Because the more you think about this passage, the bigger it gets. It just, it just explodes. So I want to just look at it as simply as possible and, and just ask what What's the simplest thing that Jesus was saying when he said that? And what does it tell us about who he is? And what does it tell us about how we live in relation to that? So those are our questions. But three, three things that I want to look at. One is uh, proclamation at the beginning of the passage, people and the promise. There, there is a proclamation that's made. There are people that it, this is directed to, this message is directed to. And then there's a promise at the end. So that's the way we're going to let this unfold. So this proclamation, I mean, Jesus says this incredibly bold thing. He says, I'm the light of the world. I mean, if a friend of mine says, I'm the light of the world to me, I'm going to be like, that's a pretty big statement. I am the light of the world. And he's, he's saying this in a hostile environment. I am the light of the world. Well, you know, the most simple way that we can understand light, in the, the, at least the metaphorical side of this, is when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he means, I am the good. Light is good. We just understand, generally, light is good. That's what he is saying at at a very simple base comment. I am the goodness. I am good for all things. I am the light of the world. There's a a passage in Lamentations that I I love. I've always loved it. Um, I know many of you are familiar with Lamentations. You probably read it pretty frequently. It's in the Hebrew Scripture. Um, But just you probably have heard this passage. This is Lamentations 3. But I call this to mind in the midst of of difficulty. I call this to mind. And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And, And here's that little piece that is around light. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. 
You know, that, that idea of the sun rising again and that being a new time of hope. I know for some of us that have been through difficult times, there is a, a reliance on that, that God will show mercy new day, again, one day, but day after day, he shows mercy. His, his mercies are new and they come in light. They come with the light. But the idea of him as light is more than a metaphor. He's not saying, well, I'm like light. I'm sort of, you know, light's like me. You know, he's not saying that. He's saying, I am the light. I am the light. This, there's, it is not, so if you look at John 1, 4, which Bree read for us, it says, in him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. So then John's switching it around. He's life and light, interchangeable. And that is Jesus. Life, light, Jesus, all interchangeable. Do you, do you see, we're just gonna like barely scratch the surface of what it means that Jesus is the light of the world. Later on in John, uh, in, in just in, in verse, uh, in chapter one, Man, the, the eyes are going. I actually packed my glasses just in case I couldn't do this. Jesus says this, I am the way and the truth. This is in John 14. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Life and light and Jesus are all connected together. And it's good. And here's the thing, you know, often when I think about this tendency that I have to drift off towards the shadows or like it says that, that, that um, he, the light came into the world, but people chose the darkness. Well, I can sort of, ex- I, I can say, well, you know, I'm not really choosing darkness all the time. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm basically a, a decent person. But then I had to ask myself, well, what really are the lights in my life? What are the lights in your life? If, if Jesus really is the light of the world, perhaps even less than me drifting off in, in, into the worst things of the world, perhaps I've set up lights that compete with him or replace him. My relationship or my hope for a relationship or my job or my goals and my dreams or whatever, you know, the successes that I have. There are lights in my life that are good things. They're fully good things. But when we drift and migrate towards those things, which we all do, Believers, I'm particularly talking to you, followers of Jesus. We put those things up, and I think they are lights. They are good things. They're good. But they obscure Jesus, and instead of him illuminating those things, they prevent us from seeing him. So what happens is we're, we're kind of confused. Like when I said Jesus is the light of the world and the light is life, we're like, well, okay, that's pretty big. I don't know what that means. Well, I think one reason we don't know what it means is because we have other lights that keep us from looking at the light. So Jesus makes this really bold proclamation. I am the light of the world. And in this, he says some pretty, uh, pretty in the, this whole passage, he says some pretty dramatic things. Some of the light of the world. What that means is, I am the light for all people. And that's our second point. When Jesus says world, 
he is he's saying something very significant to his audience and something that we might just look over. The wor- that word world, when he said it, it has a, I guess you call it a cosmic uh, sense. It, it means I'm the light of everything, all of creation. I was there just like it says in the, first, in the beginning of John in the first chapter. He was there at creation by his word. Everything was spoken into existence and he is the light. But he says that this, he gets very specific. He says, I am the light for all people, for the world. It, it, in Isaiah, there's a passage that, that ties into this. It's Isaiah 42. A lot of the names that we'll see of Jesus were, were created by Isaiah. He, we would, God said them to him, Isaiah repeats them, and we have them as, as kind of guideposts in the New Testament. So in Isaiah 42, 6, it says, I am the Lord, God says. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. That word nations is really similar to the word world. But when Isaiah said that, y'all, it was offensive to the Jewish people, even in Isaiah's time, because he basically says he is a light to the Gentiles, to all people. And the Jewish people saw themselves as the, pretty much the dead end of the grace of God. Like it poured into them and that's where it stopped. Do you see any parallels with the church today? Or the perception that people have about Christians? We get all the good stuff of God, but we keep it right in there. This was for all people because when, when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he's referencing that. He's wanting to make sure everyone here says, everyone that's hearing him recognizes he's going back to Isaiah. I am the light of the world. And then he says something really shocking. He says, let me just clarify this, you guys. Whoever follows me. Okay, this, is, this is a really pretty tragic thing for the, for the, the religious elite of that time to hear. Every, whoever, everyone, that was offensive to them because they wanted to keep the good things of God rather than deliver them. I love the fact that we just sang that song. We're going to plant, plant the seeds of the good news. Uh, also from the Hebrew scripture. So a couple of things about this idea of whoever. One thing about the word whoever that he says, it, uh, you might have a translation that says the one who follows. Not just whoever, but the one who follows me. That means it's, it's sort of a generic term. It includes everybody. You can't look at it and parse it in a certain way that means a certain kind of person. In other words, we don't have to clean up to be good enough to follow him. Whoever. Whoever. And you know, that kind of idea, speaking into the culture that we live in, you know, we we tend to to think, kind of romanticize the time that Jesus lived somehow. As hard as it is to imagine being crushed by the Romans as being romanticized. But... They were a polarized community. This, this whole thing that we're in, y'all, is nothing new, okay? Somehow the church in that era had such an impact that the emperors of Rome became believers. Whoever had a pretty broad impact in their world. Their, they did not hold on to the good things, the light of the goodness of Jesus for themselves. Whoever... And I think in a polarized culture, even in our little town, y'all, we're, you know, my opinion is the right thing, right? I mean, I remember coming, reading 
One of my biggest fears when I came to uh, Crested Butte was that because I was here, something I did or whatever, Obi Joyful would get written up in the editorial page. I'm, I'm not kidding, because I know how that filters out. How many of y'all want to be written up in the editorial page? Okay, nobody. Read it once. You're done. This church, the followers of Christ in this church, must be about peace and reconciliation, and whoever means that we are engaging. We, yeah, we're going to have different views. We're going to feel passionately about different things. That is the same thing that was happening, the people Jesus was talking to, but whoever, whoever, it's all, all we're, we are the light of Christ in this community, y'all, and it is just as polarized as the bigger community and the bigger in the nation, right? We, y'all, the light of Christ is for whoever, we cannot forget that. We are the representative. I mean, this is the end I'm going to say in a minute. We are the representatives of Jesus. We reflect his light. It's a little spoiler for the end of my message. <laughs> he was speaking to a polarized culture, and that's exactly the one that we live in on a micro level and a, and a macro level. And one other thing about that idea of whoever, it puts all the responsibility on Jesus, right? Because whoever can't be good enough to be in relationship with God. That's not possible. Because whoever is broken and messed up, just like all of us. So Jesus had to, when he said whoever, he was basically saying, I am the one who is going to, to bridge the gap for you to be right with God. So I think we could take whoever as like, hey, everybody just come on. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. There is still a cost for whoever, for each one of us. There's a, a huge cost. It was the life of Christ. And when he said whoever, he meant me for you. And that's a big deal. I remember in uh, middle school, one of my, uh, my, every Friday night, I went to the roller skating rink. Okay. It was, yeah, she said you were so cool, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> one, there were all these little traditions around going to the roller skating rink. Some of you will have, you know, remembrance of this. But uh, for me, one was like the Steve Miller song when it came on. We would all jump on and the guys would be like skating as fast as we could. Another one was couple skate. Okay. What was that, sir? This that's what I'm getting to. The unfortunate thing that you just brought up. Because there was this tradition where they would, they would put all the boys on one, or at least at our skating rink, they'd put all the boys on one end and all the girls on the other. And then they would have the boys come down and, I don't know what adult thought this was a good idea. <laughs> at the worst time of, life, of your entire life, you're the most insecure you could ever be. And here, number the boys have to come down, and there's this just whole group of, of young girls down there, and you're going to pick one out, and some are always going to be... I'm not trying to bring up any hurt past here, by the way. But some girls are going to be left. Right? Not, <laughs> you're taller than all the boys. Yeah. We remember those, those are the most, pain, for me, the most painful kinds of memories of middle school. Couple skate. And then, you know, just to carry it on, I, you know, you remember there's some people would skate with like the 70s thing, you know, your arm around each other. 
Nobody does that anymore. <laughs> the, the beauty of this is that there is no sense that that happens with Jesus. So if you have heard the gospel, if you have heard that you can be right with God through the sacrifice of Jesus proved by his resurrection only by faith, the only thing you do, if you have heard that, you have been invited. You have been picked and chosen and it is now up to you whether you're going to reach your hand out and start. Okay? Whoever is not generic, it's very serious. Whoever, it comes at a cost and whoever is a valuable person. So Jesus makes this proclamation. He says, I'm the light and the light is for all people. All people. And then he says, he 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 finishes his statements with a promise. Whoever believes in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So there's three parts to that. Whoever follows will not walk in darkness, will have the light of life. Three things. Let's talk about walking in darkness for just a minute. I think the simplest way to understand walking in darkness is if we are in darkness... There is a lack of hope, which is the thing we read about in Lamentations. We have a lack of hope. And we are fumbling around for direction. We, can't, we don't know which way to go. Nothing, we're holding on to anything. In the darkness, that's all that we have. And that is, that's sort of the, the simplest way I could boil down the idea of darkness. I have one more story I have to tell you about a trip to Mexico with a group. We were in a very remote place. Uh, and I was leading the trip. And these, this very, this, Village, the villagers said, hey, y'all need to come and check out this cave that we have. And people come from all over the world to go in this cave and check it out. So we, you know, everybody's like, yeah, we got to do that. And we went in there. And after about 45 minutes of going in and seeing all these sites, we came to this really edgy place and we're scooting along the edge. And the guy shines, there's a couple of flashlights they have and that's all we have. And they shine in, down and he goes, see that hole down there? Down below that hole, which you could slip into, it just, it's not bottomless, but it just keeps on going. Don't slip. At that point, I was like, it, my sense of responsibility overcame my sense of adventure. I was like, okay, we got to get out of here right now. Because if the lights went out, what would we do, right? So I'm, I'm, okay, I said, guys, can we, can we go? And they're like, sure, no, no problem, you know. So we're headed out. If the lights had gone out, we would have no, no way to find our way whatsoever. It would have been absolutely dangerous. We've been holding on to anything that we can find. In the darkness, that's all that we have. That's the darkness. That's the darkness. But Jesus says, I am the light of life. You will have the light of life. That's in stark contrast. And I remember when we came out of that cave, when I saw the light, I was like, oh, I felt so good. You know, it was just a pinpoint at first, but when it came in, the, and it, overshad- it uh, took over the light of the flashlights. And it was all I could do not to say, okay, everybody just run out of here. Because by that time, I was like, I got to get out of the darkness. That's why I said at the beginning of this, when... When, when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, that's what I want. I want the light of the world. I do not want to be in the darkness trying to find my way, holding on to anything that seems to make sense and gives me some like, moment of hope until I open my eyes and, try, and there's nothing there. One other thing Jesus says, he says, walking with me in the light is, is somewhat conditional. You have to follow me. You have to follow me. Well, I thought you said we don't have to do anything, guys. Just following Jesus, the very first and only thing that's required of us to initiate following Jesus is to believe. 
That's it. So when we are invited, all we have to do is believe. We don't have to clean up and get right. We just believe. And then there's this, this idea in there of, of walking with him. And it's, it's pervasive in the scripture. This idea of walking is to follow, to walk alongside him, to go through life, to study who he is, to get close to Jesus and walk with him in life. I think we all, it's a simple understanding of what he's saying. If you follow me, you'll believe and you'll walk with me. But there is one thing, and this came up in our men's Bible study this week. Probably the one thing I would say, if we're going to follow Jesus, is that we keep our eyes on him. If you're going to follow him, you have to have your eyes on Jesus. If you're not on him, you're not sure where he is. We have to keep our eyes on him. Uh, It is very easy to put our eyes on our boyfriend or girlfriend or goals or relationship, our husband or wife, business, our problems, whatever it is. We can put our eyes on those things. If if we want to follow Jesus, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, uh, you you guys know this, uh, you've heard it. This is actually from the New American Standard. I think it says it beautifully. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and every sin which entangles us so easily and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here's the thing, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fix our eyes on Jesus. If we want to follow him and we want to experience the light and not walk in the darkness, we need to put our eyes on him. So Jesus is the light of all people. And he asks us to follow him, to experience what that means. You guys gonna, let me ask the, you guys in the band to come. They're gonna lead us in one song as we close, but let me say this and I'll pray. One of the DNA statements, we just have four of this church, is that we are heat and light. We are heat and light. That means that we bring the warmth of the good things of Christ to this town, to one another, the person sitting beside you, the person at your school, your teacher, whatever. We bring those good things. We, are the, we aren't the light, but we reflect the light of Jesus. Today, you have the opportunity to reflect the light of Jesus to choose what it is in your life that, is, that you, have, you have prioritized in front of him. Set those things aside. Look at him and reflect that light to the people that you're with. Let me pray. God, we, uh, we ask that you would let us experience the, the incredible thing that it is to see your mercies new every morning in the light, to know that joy that exists Lord, that we have clouded up so much with what we think is important that we can't really understand that you, how it is that you're the light of life. Uh, Lord, keep our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen.